Hi, Merlin, uh, and hello, everybody. My name is Nolan Peterson. I'm the president and CEO of World Copper Limited. World Copper Limited is a Vancouver-based junior mining company with projects in Chile. Those would be Escalonis and Cristal, as well as a project in Arizona called the Zonia Project. Now, the interesting thing about World Copper is that our Escalonis project and our Zonia project are both advanced stage exploration, early stage development assets, which is unusual in a junior mining company such as ourselves. Both of them have established resources. Uh, that means 43101 resource statements. And both of them have preliminary economic assessments or PEAs, 43101s as well, that demonstrate the potential economic value of both of these resources. So they are both very economic, very strong uh, development cases to be had, and they have significant upside exploration potential, which we can speak to as well. Uh, we're looking to uh, speak to you today, uh, help you understand the company and the projects and how you can get involved. Nolan, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to be talking to you again. Uh, now, the last time we spoke, we discussed uh, the projects. You talked me through the projects, both Escalonis and Zonius. We spoke a little bit about Cristal as well. Um, <clears throat> today, we're taking a different tack. Uh, I want to understand your thinking about the valuation of the company. Um, also, I want to have a look at the kind of the shareholder register and just kind of understand what the background is to that. Um, this is part of the validation series, both validation and valuation. So, if we could, let's just start with the shareholder register. Um, and if you could tell me a bit about the building blocks of the shareholder register, you know, where those uh, shareholders came from and what the history is behind that, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, World Copper is a fairly young company by mining standards. So, I mean, I can start from the start. We were a spinoff of a company called Wealth Minerals. Uh, Wealth Minerals is a lithium company that deals in Chile. Uh, and they were, you know, our, our, our chairman, World Copper's chairman, Hank Van Alphen, is the CEO of uh, Wealth Minerals. And so he has a very close friend in Chile named Marcelo Awad, who is the former CEO of Antofagasta Minerals, one of the, was one of the world's largest copper companies. A few years ago, they got to thinking, you know, lithium is great, but we need to leverage off of Marcelo and Hank's experience in copper in Chile. And that's why Wealth Copper, later to become World Copper, was formed. So Wealth Minerals retains a large share interest in World Copper today. They own about 20% of the company. They ended up getting those shares because they brought in the Escalonis project into Wealth Copper and now World Copper. Uh, and the, they bought the project off of a company called Gold Springs Resources or formerly TriMetals or TMI. Now, eventually, uh, those two companies owned uh, the company. There were a number of financings along the way, uh, sorry, while the company was private, a small one. And then the company went public in January of 2021. So only about a year and a half ago now did uh, World Copper go public. At that time, uh, you know, there was a, a sell, a little bit of selling of the people who got involved in the early financings. Uh, this is the broker crowd, the retail investor crowd, the private placement crowd, not uh, the major players like World uh, Wealth Minerals and Gold Springs. Now, as we move along, uh, in October of last year, Wealth Minerals purchased the shares from Gold Springs Resources, consolidated their position in World Copper, and that's how they ended up with their uh, large position. I think it was about 50% uh, of the company or so at that time. We then did another 
private placement financing in October of last year, uh, which brought in some new shares. And then in January, we closed a merger with a company called Cardero Resources, which brought in the Zonia project and also brought in one of our other large shareholders, which is a gentleman named Robert Koppel, who owned a majority of Cardero Resources. So he ends up owning about 15% of World Copper today. Uh, and so that those are our major shareholders, Wealth Minerals, World Copper, or sorry, uh, Robert Koppel. And then we also have, you know, some uh, a shareholder, McKenzie Financial, which is one of our largest institutional shareholders through some of the private placements. And then, of course, uh, people who've invested through the market, friends, family, associates, as well as the general uh, investment community and make up the, the large portion of our shares. I would say 50 to 60 percent of our shares are locked up very tight, uh, not trading on a regular basis. Uh, and uh, that leaves a very thin float for the remainder. Uh, and, you know, we've seen some pressure in the market, as many companies have uh, these days, uh, when people are looking for liquidity right now. Uh, they're a little bit overextended in some cases, uh, and also people are not buying as much. So uh, that is something that has uh, put a little pressure on the stock recently. Um, thank you. Goodness, that's a, that's a, that's a full <laughs> answer. Um, when, when you when you came when you did the merger with Cardero Resources, what was Robert Koppel's percentage holding in Cardero? Roughly? I think he owned about sixty percent of Cardero Resources at the time. Okay, and and, and, uh, and, and the know, other forty percent? Uh just general retail investors or, or institute or uh, broker investors. Uh, and Cardero was private. No part. Cardero was public. It was a, a okay. large ownership by a private in, uh, uh, individual. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why uh, you know you could look at the project and say it ha maybe had difficulties advancing because such a uh, such a large ownership position from one person, um, you know, finding financing can be a challenge in some cases. Okay, and so so the share price of Caldero had been kind of quite static. It, it, I'm, I'm just trying to understand some of the selling pressure on World Copper since. Um, That's right. Since, since inception, really, because um, you've got these two great assets, but you've also been you've, you've also been under pressure in a sense. You know, you've had selling coming from left field. I know you've got a kind of uh, you have over perhaps twelve months had quite a a lot of uh, turnover in your stock. So I'm just trying to understand, you know, where that pressure came from. What was the motivation behind it, and and you know who's who's now holding it. Yeah. So, you know, this is about validation and val valuation is a big component of that. And I, I like benchmarks. So I'm just going to start uh, very straight out and say this company is significantly undervalued uh, compared to peers in the market. And we'll go over some of those later. But, you know, one of our investors sent me an analyst report of a company that has no resources, no economic studies, and they are at a, a slightly higher market cap than World Copper right now. So absolutely, there must be a reason why, in my mind, uh, we are under so much pressure compared to the assets that we do have. And the answer, I think, is is many fold. Uh, the first thing that you have to consider is some of those financings. And remember, I, we only went public again in January of 2021. Now, a financing was done in what was the year before 2021? 2020, COVID. So the first private placement for World Copper was done in I think it was April, May 2020, which would have been one of the absolute worst times to finance a company. But the company needed the money then as it was planning to go public. 
so in that case, you know, you can look at it and say those people who funded it, probably not the highest quality investors uh, in terms of buying and holding. So when they saw the opportunity, when we went public, they uh, they took their money back and, and off the table. Uh, and that immediately put the company under a lot of pressure right out of the gate, which I don't think, to be quite honest, uh, it, it, it uh, doesn't feed into market sentiment very well when you have people who are excited about the stock and then, and look at the value of the company and see the potential of it. And you have brokers and market uh, players who are selling for absolutely no fundamental reason, right? Uh, and they don't necessarily care what you have or anything after that. So we went through a year of that. Uh, we did very strong work to advance the projects. We converted the Escalonis project from a sulfide resource to an oxide resource, unlocked the potential of the PEA, which we ended up delivering on. And I know we'll talk about it in a second, but obviously uh, quite fantastic compared to what it was before. Then we did the merger with uh, Cardero Resources. So we're growing this company very quickly. We see a piece of the pie that is a development story in the United States, tier one mining jurisdiction, sits on private patented land. It's got a PEA, a very well-developed resource, good metallurgy. It can support a story that you build it and then it funds Escalonis. Now, the problem is Cardero had done nothing for basically four years. So shareholders have no liquidity to exit if they don't want to be a part of the story. They didn't see uh, an out uh, an out for them. And as soon as we closed the deal, they were looking at a three or four X from when we announced the deal uh, return. Immediately, okay, we well, started to to see yeah. some selling there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't blame I mean, them for that, right? As, as soon as you as soon as you say hear those words, three or four X, you know that you know you're going to be hit with a wall yeah. of selling. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, it doesn't matter if they see a ten X after. Why not take it right now? Then you then two weeks after that, we announced the PEA for Escalonis. Remember this asset that was kind of neglected, misunderstood for a while. We come out and release what is probably one of the most spectacular PEAs uh, you can deliver, $1.5 billion post-tax, NPV, 46% internal rate of return, and a 2.2-year payback on a $438 million capital cost for a copper project at 360 copper. Uh, absolutely fantastic. That also creates a liquidity event that happens right, right around the same time as the Cardero. Then, three days later, I think Russia invades the Ukraine. Okay. And then okay. all of okay. that so, happens. Yeah. 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 So, so, okay. So, got it. So, you, you, need, you need a break. You know, the copper price has probably peaked yeah. in early April, early April, and we've had six months of absolutely um, in, indiscriminate selling. So, yes. I think that's, that's a key word indiscriminate. Yeah. Um, because we're getting to the point now. And so, if I looked at your, um, let's just, just, just before we move on to the comparable analysis, um, I just want to understand, you've got 112 million shares, 10 million options, um, and you've got this kind of block of 25 to 30 million warrants, as, yeah. as I can see from your presentation. So, you know, that there will be, um, you know, th there will be a fundamental valuation uh, reason for those, um, f for the, to, to hold all of those and to expect the projects to advance and the copper price to to move forward. Um, quite a lot of those warrant holders presumably were um, have sold their shares underneath and actually are looking to 
uh, exercise those options, exercise those warrants and be part of the story going forward. Some, yes, will probably want to play the financial game and will sell into strength, but that's also fine because as long as the fundamental story is there, that provides turnover. So that's all all happy. I'm you know completely fine with yeah. that. Yes. Um any any um yeah so it's just a case of looking at the fundamentals now, looking at the at the story. I'm I'm very happy um bullish copper. Um yeah. <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm, I might be a little bit worried about the short-term situation in the global economy, you know. Certainly, um, yes. There are many, many, many problems out there, but longer term, medium and long term, I think the the the, the copper uh, story is fundamentally intact, as I'm sure you would agree, being a yes, absolutely. copper company. So um, let's have a look at how the project compares... Um, you, you, in in your slide deck, which is a comprehensive slide deck, um, from slide thirty one onwards, you've got a whole range of different comparable um, um, comparables. And I think let's let's first look at it on a project level. I think that slide thirty one of yours was sure. what I wanted to kind of um, dig into. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so you know, I, I do you have specific questions? You just want me to give you my thoughts on this chart first? Well, why, why don't you Why don't you go first? Okay. So for, for people who are taking a look at our deck or watching uh, this video, this is a list of prop, uh, projects in development in primarily South America. So we've listed the, you know, Peru, we got Argentina and Chile, uh, some that are in Canada for Canadian investors, uh, you know, very, we're a Canadian company, and they're all at the same stage of development, PEA. So we've isolated uh, as best we can for development risk. There's no interspersing with feasibility studies or assets in production, there's no benefit in in that type of comparison because usually at a PEA stage, the numbers look uh, a little bit better. Uh, sometimes they do look worse and projects do get better over time. But this way, we're comparing apples to oranges, a snapshot in time. These are also uh, a mixture of projects that are some companies like us, which are development, World Copper. You know, we don't have any funding, we don't have any re revenues paying the expenses. Some are uh, in similar positions and some are held by major companies as well. But again, that has no impact on the actual value of the project itself, right? That's just how well can it be built? Uh, and that's a more of a corporate decision. So we presented, uh, most of these projects are valued at a $3 copper price. We did our base case at 360 due to market conditions. Uh, we don't pick the copper price. The engineers pick it based on what the conditions are uh, at the time, but we still did a sensitivity at $3 so we can compare to other projects. Now, one thing you may also see is the vast majority of projects uh, in the world for copper are flotation projects. They're not solvent extraction and electro-winning projects, heap leach projects like Escalonis is and like Zonia is at World Copper as well. What you'll notice if you start to look at it is that for SXEW projects, the initial capital cost is quite low for SXEW projects compared mm. to flotation projects. And we're not talking... 20, 30% more, we're talking orders of magnitude, multiples. Uh, for example, let's just take Los Alados held by NGX. Their PEA was $4.3 billion. That's 10 times the initial capital of Escalonis. Now, do they get a 10 times larger NPV from it? Their pre-tax NPV 
or let's do after tax is 270 million. So 4.3 billion investment for a 270 million dollar return and Escalonis is a $438 million investment for a $1 billion return. I'm not yeah, cherry pick. I'm not no, cherry picking here and I'm not <clears throat> trying to pick on other projects either, by the way. No, no, no. But that's, um, I mean, what you have just highlighted there is, is one of the um, kind of key features of an MPV. You know, when you look at a, a net present value, it will punish uh, front end capex and it will also punish far end production. Exactly, because you know, your your the, the value of your cash flow from you know if you're using an eight percent discount rate, the value of your cash flows, uh, ten years away or fifteen years away is 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 minimal when it comes to the uh, valuation of or when it comes when it comes to the total sum of your NPV. However, if you have got a a big sulfide project which has got a forty year mine life you know, w longer term, one is going to have to take into account the power of that cash flow on a repeatable basis for decades um, yes. to come. But I'm, I'm yeah. not trying to, to diminish, I'm just trying to illustrate that there are other ways of looking at these big projects. Uh, absolutely. And so what I would say is you're exactly correct, Merlin. When I speak to investors, I want them to understand, you know, there it's not mutually exclusive. Uh, there is a role for the big projects. A lot of the larger mining companies, and mind you, I worked, I consulted for many of them on very large projects, as well as worked for some some of them. Uh, they are looking for, in many cases, a production filler, right? They're looking for, for yeah. example, let's take Hakira, 337,000 tons of copper produced a year. That's almost seven times more than Escalonis. Uh, that's what they're looking for. Uh, yeah. Other companies, medium size, smaller, they're looking for profitability. They're looking for returns on investment that will allow them to become that next uh, company. So I think that if you look at the list, obviously bigger is better. People are always uh, looking, investors easily understand a large deposit. For me as an investor and fundamentally as an engineer, I'm always wondering what can I actually do with that deposit? What is the feasibility of it? How do I convert what is a big number on paper into dollars and cents, which is the most important thing in my mind that any investor should be looking at? So I would I always encourage people to weigh from multiple different sides. Uh, and, you know, to, to be fair to the average investor who is most focused on, you know, they've been in mining for a number of years, but they're not a geologist. Maybe they really are looking, OK, this is a big project that big is always good. That creates optionality. But um, you've you've also got the the fact that if you've got a big capex, let's say anything north of a billion dollars, there are very few companies that can actually manage and handle the, the those kinds of logistics required, the engineer requirements, the 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 HR, the the IT. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Even before we get to the kind of actual balance sheet strength to be able to raise that kind of money, um, yeah. And so by having a project with a let's call it a sub Five hundred million dollar capex. Um, you you open it up to a much wider audience of potential partners and suitors, um, which should which should give you a degree of um, optionality in your strategic outcomes. Yeah, and let and let's talk about that as well. You know, it's it's no secret that in the mining industry, investors get excited about the potential of a buyout or an acquisition of a project. They see a very large deposit with, a, you know, even a, a study that can show a $2 billion NPV. 
and they think that this is how much the project is worth. So is it realistic for a company to come in, a major with deep pockets, and buy a, com- buy a project for $2.2 billion and then have to put $2.6 billion into it to build it, right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a catch-22, right? And that's why many of these projects have, sa- uh, have sat for, 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 in some cases, decades. And so we really are trying to, to, to promote the idea that a project that is uh, oxide heap leach, like you said, lower capex, easily much more fundable, and also has a lot of intangible benefits, such as a lower footprint, less greenhouse gases, less, less water consumption. These things can translate into ease of permitting. And really, at the end of the day, again, it's about how can I convert what I have in the ground into money? And that is about getting these projects across the finish line, either in our and, hands <clears throat> with a partner or, or someone else. I think there's um, <clears throat> one way of looking at it is your ratio of your um, CapEx to your NPV. But uh, uh, perhaps the kind of the closest you've got to that on this slide is your capital intensity uh, yes. per ton of copper production, because I think that would, um, that's your, um, you know your value product versus your uh, your input cost, um, it, your exactly. upfront cost. And so, if if I look down that slide and look at the SXCWs, they're they're all pretty much um, they're all pretty much low. Why is that um, first quantum that here Kira one? Is that simply yeah. because it's up though? They the is that low because just simply because the volume of production is so high. They have a uh, they have a byproduct credit, I believe, that also impacts the uh, the uh, allows them to produce so much copper and lower the uh, yeah, and the production is so high, yeah. So the okay. byproduct credit helps them with that. Okay, great, thank you. I mean, and you've got a whole bunch of other slides. Well, should we just um, sure. Let's keep the, let's keep the deck up and move on. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about the market cap first, or go into the project yeah. first? Let's do market cap. Okay, so this is uh, a real a slide that I really like to talk about. Obviously, uh, in well, some ways I like to talk about; it, other ways I don't. Um, this is our market cap uh, and price of world copper itself versus the NPV of our project. Uh, again, we're isolated projects that are at the PEA stage. Now, these companies here, all four of them, have no cash flows, no production from operate our cash from operations. So the same funding risk, same development risk, operating in approximately the same or similar jurisdictions. And you can see at the bottom, I've listed the CapEx, so it's easily referenceable. You can see that Merrimaka is another oxide project like mm-hmm. Escalonis. Uh, their resource is, to, uh, sorry, Escalonis is two and a half times larger a resource than Merrimaka. Merrimaka is a higher grade resource. Uh, so that does uh, give them uh, an advantage in terms of economics. Uh, but Escalonis is higher capex uh, and it is benchmarked well. You would expect, okay, twice the size. Should I be looking for twice the capex? Well, no, you have economies of scale uh, and those types of things as well. So you can see the NPVs of the project on a pre-tax and post-tax basis at $3 copper. And suffice it to say, we're currently trading at a 98% discount against the NPV at a PEA stage. Mm. Typically, uh, you know, you talk to investment banks or or private equity groups or other investors, typically you see anywhere from 70 to 80% on average for yep. a discount. 
now the whole market is under pressure. So these are even depressed more than that. But to see a 98 or 99% discount is is absolutely unheard of. Uh, what, what, time- what, what do you think is driving that? What, 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 you know, how can you explain that? How can you rationally? Yeah. You know what? what you, you said you said this is a kind of a slightly painful slide for you. It, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yes, it it puts you in a good light on a comparison relative to your peers, um, um, because you're cheap. But some some stocks stay cheap. How are you gonna yeah. how how are you gonna not be cheap? Yeah. So I would look at these companies, and of course, every company has a story, right? So we talked a bit about World Copper story, right? Cleaning out uh, shareholders or bad shareholders or weak paper, weak hands, so to speak, uh, market sentiment in general. Uh, I would say, first of all, that most people, when they think about a mining company, they expect a certain story to develop, right? I, you know, especially if they're an early stage investor, it's the first time I've ever heard about this mining company. They must be small. They must be just starting out and they must be trying to get my money to invest, to find something, right? And then that translates into raising money, drilling, finding something. Okay, now the excitement builds, you're onto the next drill program, et cetera. You've got a resource, you start an economic study. This process can take five or 10 years. All the while you are talking to people, they start to know your name in the market, brokers. If, oh, this is like the sixth time. Have you progressed more? Have you demonstrated that? What World Copper has done is come into the scene now, circumvent, uh, jumped over all of that legwork and said, we've got two projects that are established resources with economics, mm-hmm. and they're in the hands of a junior, right? And that is we haven't i don't think marketed enough to establish that broad base where we can say there's 40,000 shareholders of world copper uh that are involved and will you know when they see a weakness they like the story they'll start soaking up uh cheaper shares i would also point out in the chart that we looked at a lot of these companies have been again they followed that story they've been in the market for 5 10 15 years as public companies and also, they've had their dips into much lower share prices than World Copper and valuations. And then what, what they sometimes do is attract a strategic investor, a private equity group or a shareholder that buys in and sops up 30, 40% of the value of the company. Uh, and then they also, then they become the validation of the project, right? Those major groups aren't going to put mm. big money in. And they're also supporting the stock in the market. Now, that is one thing that we do not have at this point yet, uh, but we're working on uh, getting the message out there and finding yeah. the right the right suitor. And that would definitely help a lot. But again, has nothing to do with the value of the company itself or the assets. It's just the average investor will go where the money is going. And that's where we what we need to create and make the market understand with World Copper. Yeah, I think Merrimack has done that particularly well. You know, they've... Um... They've got two private equity groups supporting exactly, um, yeah. and 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 that really shows in the in the in the valuation. It's also the um, um, I don't think they had the kind of the backwash from going public in the same in the same time frame. Um, well, actually, you- the, I mean, if you look back at Merrimacus chart, I think five years ago they were at five cents. Uh, they did a rollback, I, I, and apologies if I'm wrong. People can say, "Oh, he got that completely wrong." believe they were at five cents uh, and they did uh, a major equity investment from a private equity group 
uh, did a rollback 10 to 1 and that brought them to about 40 50 cents okay. and then now they're at 350 so you know with that type of support and with mm-hmm. which of course we're now entering into a market where there's not a lot of support out there even for good stories uh is uh, it it does create an opportunity for people who do have cash uh to take a position and you know think about the long term it's funny because i was i was you're absolutely right i'd forgotten that there was that prehistory with coro mining because i was i was on the kind of the, the more recent yeah. marimaca, yeah. marimaca change, story change yeah, your yeah, name to, and to, to uh... change the name well i i i, 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 I still i still think you should you guys should change your name but that's another that's another topic of conversation yes. um um Interesting, interesting, interesting. Now, um, in Chile, of course, there have been, uh, I know Mario Mac is in Chile, but they're also, the, the, uh, w- when I look at Chile, I'm quite I'm quite keen to separate the uh, projects which are in the high Andes and their permitting uh, issues and the challenges up there from the low ones. But equally, by being a tailings operation, you don't, sorry, by being a SXCW operation, you don't have the tailings risk. So perhaps it's not, a, not so much a permitting thing. But um, let's talk if you could a little bit about Zonia, because to me that looks like a really interesting project, but in terms of the permitting, you know, is that going to be, um, tell me about the permitting of the fact you're on federal, you're on patented land, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. Let me pull up another slide quickly, just so we can, excuse me, have something to, to reference. Uh, there it is. So absolutely right. You know, one of the biggest uh, you know, let's talk about risks of building a mining project. Uh, there's probably, you know, people think, okay, you got a great resource, uh, great grades. I've got a mine. Well, no, of course, right? Community funding, uh, market conditions, permitting is a huge risk, right? Huge risk in any jurisdiction. Then you roll in the United States or Canada or other jurisdictions like that. You have a tier one mining jurisdiction, uh, very strong environmental protections, very rigorous permitting processes. And, uh, you know, there's no way uh, to circumvent that, not that we w- we would ever aim to, but some jurisdictions, you know, shady type of companies can can speed things up. Uh, World Copper picked up Zonia because of its permitting advantage, right? This is a brownfield site that was in operations before, so that, that helps. It also sits entirely on private patented land. So that's this outline here. There's the deposit itself. And there is the red outline. And this deposit sits entirely on private patented land. Now, what does that mean? If you sit on federal land or state land or public land in the United States, that means you need to go through various environmental protection agencies. The U.S. federal APA takes it on in a coordinated manner. It requires an environmental impact statement, community involvement, multi-agency, multidisciplinary review to assess the uh, whether this project can uh, go ahead or not that can take years or in some cases decades i think one stat said the average time to permit a new <laughs> mining project was eight to ten years right yeah uh, right i mean that's a uh, that's so think about it if somebody is investing in a mining project today that is a resource that is a doesn't even exist yet you're probably not going to pull a single uh, ounce of gold or pound of copper out of that project for at least 20 years, assuming you find something, right? Because of the timeline. So we have here a resource. Now it sits on private patent land. That means we own the land. That means when you're doing work on land you own, it's a much 
easier conversation. Instead of going to a coordinated agency, you're going to individual state permitting agencies, air quality, water quality, and saying, I would like a permit to make sure that I'm not uh, emitting too much, or I'm no, I would like a permit to make sure I'm not uh, contaminating the water supply. It's a smaller list. It's an easier list to get because you're going to those one-off agencies. You're creating relationships with individual permitting uh, bodies. And that means that this project can be permitted in three to four years. Again, this is a sizable project in a tier one jurisdiction in the best um, state for copper mining in the United States. That's what makes this such a, a slam dunk of a project that we need to bring across the finish line as soon as possible. Okay, so um, uh, I can see you've got that. What's that green uh, outline there below? Um, yeah, on the bottom right hand side of that diagram. Oh, the, this area here? Yeah. This is uh, um, low molybdenum uh, metrics. So here it means that there's no copper as a uh, associated metal. So basically okay. the red is... The red is the good. And this slide also demonstrates the drill potential we have with a high molybdenum target, as well as other metals. And I'd love you to talk with our geologist. I think we actually did speak about it yeah. in the last conversation that leads us to believe that there's a potential to add even more resource to this body. Now, full disclosure, this is this material sits on federal land, but once you get this mine in operation, you immediately go and start a permitting operation and you can put a 20 or 30 year mine life in place when we find something to the Northeast. So that's, and, uh, that's what makes this a good project. And have you got some P the PA metrics of this project that you can just kind of flash up? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a much uh, smaller project than Escalonis, but makes it more bite-sized. It was four years ago. So this is due for an update, which we will be aiming to do in the next, our start in the next few months. Initial capital was 200 million uh, ca uh, capital after tax NPV at $3 copper. Again, with all the weakness in the market today, we're still above the price that Zonia was done at, which was uh, at the time Zonia was done, the price was, I think, 280 or 270-ish. So it was higher. Uh, 200 million after tax NPV. This is indicative at $4 copper, which is closer to spot, uh, 450 million after tax NPV. When you have that low capex, like we were talking about earlier, now you're just starting to talk about leverage. How leveraged are you to the price of copper at $6, five or $6 copper? If people believe that copper could head in that direction, this is a potentially a billion dollar NPV project for a very low initial capital. Uh, and again, in a tier one jurisdiction, easy to permit. I mean, that's what makes this such a valuable project to us. Once this is online, it spits out cash all day long, and we have no questions about building another smaller uh, project on a global scale like uh, Escalonis, but still brings in significant cash flow. So, um, where where are you? Um, I mean, it, it's quite bonkers having this the the the, the NPV, you know, of of Escalonis at a billion dollars, new market capitalization at. Uh, what are you at to the moment? 20, 23 million dollars <laughs> US, it, yeah, around uh, there, yeah, yeah. Um, and how much cash have you got? Uh, we finished a couple, I uh, finished a raise over the summer. It was a small raise just to put some money in the till. We also sold a royalty on the Zonia project recently. Uh, the first tranche was two million dollars, a million and a half in cash, and five hundred thousand in shares came in. 
so that plus the financing, we have about $2 million in the bank at the moment. Yes. And the, the, are you in an active drilling phase or are you on the kind of no. updated, updating the PEA on the um, Inzonia? Is that, is that the, 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 the key work program Cor- at the moment? Correct. So we're actually, first thing we're doing is updating the resource statement at Zonia uh, to reflect the current market, as well as bringing in some additional material that was not included in the PEA resource. Uh, so we will have that uh, idea of just how big this project can be. Uh, and then we have to find the best permittable project within that. Uh, so that's the first project is zone, uh, process at Zonia and then a PEA update. Or we look for a partner uh, that wants to really see this project push forward with the right support, uh, you know, and we're not worrying about it ourselves. We immediately jump to a PFS or feasibility study and get going on that. Now, we did just complete a drill program at uh, Escalonis. Uh, we put the news out on that yesterday. So I don't know when this video will be published. So that was uh, Tuesday, September 27th. We published that uh, showing the Mancha Maria. We confirmed mineralization extended south of the main resource. So that was our big drill program for this year. Very successful for us to understand uh, that we can continue to make that resource larger as well. So yeah, a great mix for World Copper of resources that exist preliminary economic analysis and the upside potential uh, afterwards um great well um i think i think we've pretty much covered it i mean the, the <laughs> um we're still looking for that catalyst to that breakout catalyst and it might be as simple as just a, a turn in the market um yeah you know we've just seen copper prices come off to as low as whatever it was 330 five a pound something yeah. like that they've popped up today um you know there seems to be a bit of a bounce i think the 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 overriding uh feature for a stock like world copper is it has to be at the moment the the macro situation the the you know what's happening uh to resources stocks in general um, yes, and even though you've got to keep marketing and keep explaining the story, I, I'm not sure that there's going to be a, a catalyst for uh, for that turnaround until you can just catch a break in the market. In a sense, you can't stop. You can't predict when the timing is going to be. You've just got to keep doing your job. Exactly. You know, we continue to put our heads down. We know what we need to do to build this company. Um, the market is the market. People who, you know, they uncertainty they want to be in cash they want to have some reserves they sell not just world copper many other companies the whole market is down uh and then people who have money are waiting to see for things to turn around so you have no buying a little bit of selling pressure not a lot of buying and again this is not limited to world copper uh what bugs me a bit is when people look at world copper and say well you know you're down to your some very low lows well, so is uh, so are a lot of our peers, a lot of the market, even big companies like you know Tesla. I think is off thirty percent on on the uh, on the year. Oh, and not that well, we're the same, but everybody, yeah, right? But, yeah, <laughs> let, let's not let, let's not talk about the valuation of Tesla. That's a no, that's exactly. A topic, that's, right? that's a topic for the pub. Um, but some but, big um, companies are off too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's um, and so you expect when things to turn, people start feeling better to buy. It flips from selling to buying. And every stock will go up at the same time, or similarly. Not maybe are, not everyone. There are, yeah. however, groups out there which are um, 
able to switch off the noise of the market and look at the fundamental asset base. And presumably those would be um, some of those people would be among the people that you're talking to about a partnership on, let's say, Zonia, um, possibly even strategic investors that we spoke about earlier with kind of longer term capital looking for uh, a, an ability to deploy capital into a um, mispriced copper asset, for example. Um, presumably, you've got those conversations going on at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big focus for us. Uh, you know, mining companies that are even at today's prices of copper, uh, still making a, a, a large amount of money. Uh, their cash flows are not impacted by uncertainty in the world. They're they're building every day uh, that cash flows are. Now, what we need to encourage them to do, not just world copper, but people who exist in the market and society in general uh, that need copper and other critical metals is to start investing again. Uh, they uh, hesitate to invest when there is uncertainty because I think that they will um, be viewed with, uh, you know, maybe you should wait till things settle down. The market sentiment is what it is. Uh, it feels like taking a risk in these type of market, even for big companies, is hard to convince them to do. But we are having those conversations. And it's very important to sow the seeds, lay the lay the groundwork for when the market does turn. Uh, you know, if copper hits four or five dollars in a couple of years or even sooner, uh, suddenly there'll be a rush to invest. And we should have been investing the last two years. It's a common story. We've all seen it before. Boom bust cycles. Uh, we believe that this is a coming super cycle. Uh, so yeah, we are having those discussions. There's private equity money out there there that is looking for these types of opportunities. Uh, they can weather the storm and keep things going uh, in many ways, and they can be a very supportive partner uh, for us as well as mining companies. So yeah, uh, those are the conversations we're having. Good. Well, Nolan, um, good luck with everything. I look forward to seeing the new resource on Zonia when it comes out and um maybe even a kind of a rejig PEA some some stage during next year. Um, yes. And of course, updates on um, Escalonis. So thank you very much for the update. Thank you, Merlin. Thanks for your time. And thank you, everyone, for watching.